It's Wednesday, October 21st, time for the Sports Wagon Podcast, episode 38. Hello, everyone. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Follow me on Twitter at It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Hope everyone's doing well on this Wednesday night. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, I've got a nice long list of things to talk through. So let's get started. So right now, the second game of the World Series has started on Fox. Uh, last time I checked, Tampa Bay was leading one to nothing. We'll update that in uh, in short order. Uh, last night, game one, Los Angeles won the game eight to three. Clayton Kershaw goes to the hill for the Dodgers, gets the win in game one. Um, it was a slugfest. Um, at a certain point, I believe it was eight to one uh, at, when I checked the score. Um, the Dodgers scored uh, uh, eight runs through three innings, so the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth innings. The Dodgers scored eight runs. Um, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, they scored in the fifth and seventh innings to get the final score at eight to three. Uh, the Dodgers lead one nothing. They're trying to go up for a somewhat uh, a nice cushion of a 2-0 lead in the seven-game series. Um, in my heart, I want the Dodgers to win. Now, I think Tampa Bay can pull this out. I'm thinking Tampa Bay can win this thing in, well, I was thinking five games. That could probably still happen. Um, but nevertheless, four or five, six games. Anyway, I was thinking five games for Tampa Bay, whatever. In my heart, I want the Dodgers to win. I'm going with Tampa Bay. That was, that was my pick, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, let's talk about a little college football real quick. Um, a couple notes here. Um, University of Florida football is closed until Monday. So as you remember, uh, they had uh, a game canceled against LSU this past weekend. They had uh, numerous positive tests uh, amongst their players and uh, coaching staff and support staff with coronavirus. Uh, Head coach Dan Mullen is at home in isolation. He said he's feeling well. Um, He is hoping that the team can get back to practice on Monday. But again, he said that that's something that they will kind of, you know, take uh, day by day. So it means that if they get back into practice mode, they're hoping that they can play their next game, which I believe is against Missouri. But again, it's all going to depend on um, what happens. Now, my understanding is there was another positive test today. So again, Monday right now, if this is the last positive test, um, Monday, may happen it may not be until next tuesday next wednesday before florida starts playing football again now the big 10 so this is the weekend everyone's been waiting for we all remember all the controversy surrounding uh the big 10 and their decision to cancel football and then all the uproar and all the hoopla and all the screaming and yelling that the big 10 wanted to play football and of course your president had to bring that up during that sham trash debate, like anyone with half a brain cares that that's what he did. Of course, that'd be his biggest accomplishment that oh, I brought about Big Ten football. No one freaking cares. You're terrible. OK, however, you get what you want. The Big Ten will play football this weekend. So they're going to follow a league schedule like most of the conferences that are currently playing. So the Pac-12 will be following up. Uh, in about two weeks, the Pac-12 will start. I think about two weeks from now, the Pac-12 will start. So I'll kind of talk a little Pac-12 another time. Um, so with the Big Ten, you know what you're going to get. You, you, the usual suspects are there. So far, I'm thinking I'm looking at Penn State and Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State being uh, the, the the best team out of the conference. 
uh, Penn State, here's their chance. Are they going to, you know, finally turn the corner and really just emerge as that team that can come out and maybe make the college football playoff? Uh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin always looks strong. I mean, they're always sneaking around, uh, make, making a, an impact on the Big 12 race. So uh, I'm sorry, Big 10 race, rather. Um, but um, who's going to be the surprise team? Because last year, Minnesota was a team that came out of nowhere. So, you know, a lot of people were doubting P.J. Fleck. I mean, you know, when, when I heard a story and saw that he was hired in Minnesota, it was a it was an uphill climb for P.J. Fleck to, you know, finally get this team to play in his mold. You know, that row the boat, you know, people are just like, I mean, you're rowing, but you're not going anywhere. They finally turned the corner. PJ Flex got this program going where he wants it to go. Now it's a question of can that now the big question is after a season like they had last year, the big question remains, can they keep it going in that direction? That's that's going to be the big thing. So if Minnesota can, you know, keep this thing going, then they could be the team that that could potentially emerge from the Big 12, um, Big Ten West. I don't keep saying Big 12. I mean, you know, I, I to be honest with you, I, I think I may have made this comment um, you know, on one of my socials, you know, the Big 12. I mean, if you like offense, the Big 12 is your conference. Me, I kind of like to mix it up. I don't like to see shootouts every weekend. You know, was it Texas and uh, was it I think it was Texas and Texas Tech uh, a few weeks ago? Went to overtime. I think they played three or four overtimes. And I think when they were done, they had scored 130-some points between the two teams. And I'm thinking to myself, the Big 12 is very devoid of defense. They have a lot of offense, but they're very devoid of defense. And I don't like that very much. However, going back to the Big 10, I'm going to make sure I keep my, my eye on the ball here, the Big 10. You know, Minnesota, I think, has the opportunity to be – that team that's going to kind of shock everyone. Um, Iowa, um, if you recall, I mentioned uh, a few episodes back, Iowa uh, went through, um, you know, they had some former players, some former black players who talked about the culture and how the culture at Iowa made them feel like they had to not, ex they could not express themselves. And, you know, it was what they called the Iowa way and uh, that they had to kind of conform themselves and um you know all of them spoke highly of head coach kirk ferentz but they were not pleased and there were some other incidents that occurred but they were not pleased about the culture and they want the culture to change and you know coach ferentz was you know very disappointed about you know the things that he heard and there was a report and uh, he vowed to make this program better for the black players uh in the program that come through uh, the university of iowa and today I was thinking about this, uh, this whole series of events and all the things going on with Big Ten football. And now these guys, you know, get to play. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, how much of an impact will this culture change that I, I pray is coming and is happening as we speak? How much will that hopefully begin to galvanize um, uh, th th this team, this team together? You know, I mean, I'm not not saying that beforehand that the, the the difference in culture made you know this huge difference that you know Iowa's always been a good team and a Kurt Ferentz they've had some really good seasons they've had some okay seasons but so far they've they, they've been a pretty steady program under his watch but if you get this culture change do you start to see 
you know, these players, do they start to kind of emerge a little bit more and they kind of feel more like they're part of the family and they want to play that much harder. So that's kind of my thinking, you know, does this change that? I mean, again, you know, you play on the field, but the mental aspect of any sport uh, does play a role. And I really think that I hope that, you know, that they have a good season, you know, kind of working to kind of make that culture at Iowa better. But, you know, I'm interested to see, will that have some sort of impact? But again, that's only two teams I can think of. It could be anybody. But but honestly, when you look at the East versus the West division of the Big Ten, I mean, the East looks pretty, pretty decent for the most part. Um, the West, <laughs> the West is kind of a train wreck. I mean, in the West, you got Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa. Those are three teams. I, you know, I mentioned them. So those are probably some teams to kind of keep an eye out for coming out of the West, the East. I mean, you know, I, you know, I didn't mention Michigan, you know, you, you put Michigan in there, but you know, the, the thing that scares me about Michigan is, you know, that there's been these, these lofty expectations over the last few years and, you know, you start strong and then things just go straight to H E double hockey sticks in the middle. And then somehow they manage to pull it out of the fire or, you know, things start strong, go straight to hell and just kind of stay at a, at a level that's not so fantastic. And then of course, you know, we're all going to be looking forward to Ohio state, Michigan. And, you know, with all the, the, the chit chat back and forth between uh, Ryan day and Jim Harbaugh, I, I, for me, I'm just hoping that Harbaugh can just win one because for goodness sake, if you're going to talk that much, come on, man, get your guys to play and win a game because, you know, the, the, the talk in Columbus has been hang a hundred on them. And the way that Ryan Day, it seems like he's been talking to his team and as, as fired up as those guys are, they, you know, they, they, yeah, most of those guys back, they want to win the national title. They could hang a hunter on them, and that's not going to be pretty. And again, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but I mean, it, this has the potential to be ugly. You know, I would like to actually see, you know, a, you know, a Michigan Ohio State game that's, you know, a little competitive. I mean, they're going to be chippy. They're going to go at each other. But, you know, it'd be nice to see Michigan win one because, you know, for, for in college football, you may not have a particular dog in the fight. But for me, I feel like there are certain programs that have to be good or should be at a level to make the sport good. To see Michigan not at that level kind of disappoints me. So I'm hoping that they can, you know, make this shortened season, this abbreviated season, uh, they can make the most of the season uh, as we go forward. Um, I'm going to mention some games for this week, um, and um, I'm planning to pick the games. Either I'm hoping episode 39 will be coming to you uh, later in the week, or I'll pick on social media. However, here are the games I'm going to be looking at, and this will actually give me some time to really make some make some good good decisions because again now the big tens in play there's a few more interesting games so there's a lot of big slate of games this weekend uh this coming weekend but here are the games i'm be looking at um so from the big 10 nebraska goes to ohio state ohio state ranked fifth 
Uh, currently, Ohio State is, let me check my notes here. Oh, that's not a decimal point, not a 2.6 point favorite. They're a 26 point favorite against Nebraska. Uh, NC State ranked 23rd. They take an hour drive down to Chapel Hill to play the Tar Heels at Keenan Stadium. So Tar Heels are 16 point favorites in that one. Uh, Florida State goes to Louisville. Louisville are five point favorites. Uh, Iowa State. So we're going now to the Big 12. <laughs> uh, number 17, Iowa State takes on number six, Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Uh, the aforementioned Michigan Wolverines. They are three point favorites. They head to Minneapolis to play Minnesota for the Little Brown Jug. So it, the Little Brown Jug is the oldest uh, rivalry trophy in college football. This is the first time they will meet for the Little Brown Jug since 2017, where Michigan won that um, matchup. And I believe Michigan has a three game win series, a three game uh, winning streak in that series currently, if I recall correctly. Now, Another side note to this game, the uh, county in Michigan that Ann Arbor uh, sits in, so Ann Arbor, home of the University of Michigan, is currently under a, a stay-at-home order. Um, the cases of COVID are spiking uh, in and around the the, uh, the Ann Arbor area, uh, the campus of the University of Michigan. However, Michigan athletics have been exempted from this order. Now, um, this could be a storyline if we start to see some cases that kind of extend beyond Ann Arbor. So right now, you know, let's, let's do some little epidemiology here. If, you know, these guys go to Michigan, okay, they're getting tested regularly. If they go to, I'm sorry, Minnesota rather, and some cases spike, this could be a problem. So again, this is hopefully that's not going to be the case, but it's something that I think people will be keeping their eye on as Big Ten kicks off their play. A um, couple other games here uh, from the Big Ten. Iowa visits Purdue. They go to West Lafayette. So Iowa are currently three-point favorites. And then number nine, Cincinnati. Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle is doing the thing in Cincinnati. The Bearcats. They will visit SMU, Southern Methodist University, 16th ranked. And SMU are currently two-and-a-half-point favorites. So, uh, that's two, four, six, seven games. I got seven games to pick this week, so I'll uh, think about these and make some picks a little bit later in the week. Um, I think college football, I think that's all I have for college football for right now. Um, so let's look at the NBA. So the NBA, the latest news, Stan Van Gundy is your new head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. So he'll be the seventh head coach in team history. The things that drove this decision, number one, if you know basketball, you know how Stan Van Gundy, he is a defensive coach. When he takes over teams, they're very sound defensively. So I think a number of his teams finished either in the top 10 defensively or a little higher. So they're usually top 10 defensive teams that he coaches, and he has a reputation of being a teacher of the game. And that's good. Because if you think about it, this is a very young Pelicans team he's he's picking up. Of course, you've got Zion Williamson, you've got Brandon Ingram, uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker, um, Josh Hart, and Lonzo Ball have options that it, it appears the uh, the Pelicans are looking to pick up on. And of course, they they have some experience. JJ Redick and Drew Holiday. So again, they've got a nice core. Plus, let's look at this. They have one, two, three. They have four picks in the upcoming draft in, uh, next month. So 
they stand to improve upon the core that they have. Plus, with Stan Van Gundy coming in, this can be a very good New Orleans Pelicans team as we roll into a new season, whenever the hell that's going to start. Um, so outside of that, you know, that that, you know, that teaching aspect, having the good defense, he's been a head coach for 11 years, very experienced. His record 523 and 384 in the regular season and 48 and 43 in the playoffs. Remember, he took the Orlando Magic to the finals in 09. So he's he's coached Miami, Detroit, where he was in Detroit. He was the GM and the head coach. And a lot of people felt he was a little distracted there. But again, taking Orlando to the finals in 2009, again, the, the Stan Van Gundy um, is 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 heading to New Orleans to do some good things. And one other piece I want to tell you, and maybe you're aware of this, Stan Van Gundy is very much a, a very outspoken uh, ally. So again, you know, you got guys like Steve Curry, you got guys like uh, Greg Popovich, and now you got Stan Van Gundy back in the league. So three, um, you know, outstanding. Uh, voices uh, at the coaching positions who are for equality and justice. So congratulations to Coach Van Gundy. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how things will begin to take shape uh, in the Crescent City. All right. So when we come back, we'll talk uh, uh, some more college football and some college basketball. So the big story is coming out of LSU and oh yeah, and I think I have a couple things from the NFL. Be back. All right, everyone, welcome back. So update. So this is game two of the World Series, top of the second, two outs. The Rays lead one to nothing. Um, so um, we'll keep you updated on the World Series throughout the show. You're probably watching it live anyway if you're watching it. But hey, you know you get to relive it here, huh? All right, so uh, next up, let's talk about a little NFL here. So a couple things. First of all, the Miami Dolphins will start Tua Tagovailoa on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams. So um, Brian, head coach Brian, Brian Flores talked to Ryan Fitzpatrick one-on-one, uh, -on -one, told him that he was making the switch. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick said he was very sad about the decision. Um, you know, he kind of made him feel like, you know, maybe – this is his last starting job. Um, but if you look at the numbers, he's really not playing terrible football. Uh, currently, he's got a 70% completion rate. He's, what, 138 to 197, 10 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. He's thrown for 1,500 yards. And I believe his QBR is about, like, 79 or something, in somewhere in that range. So, again, he's not playing bad football. But Brian Flores has kind of been, you know, evaluating – uh, Tua's uh, progressions in practice, um, looking at, you know, has he made solid improvement? Is he ready to take the reins as team? And from his estimation, he is. He's ready that he's seen the steady improvement in practice and he feels like it's time to move to Tua as the as the starting quarterback. And again, you know, I think a lot of people are excited to see this. I mean, if you followed his college career, I mean, he comes out of nowhere. So Jalen Hurts gets injured in the National Championship game for Alabama. He comes in, and I mean, first of all, I didn't know he's left-handed. He's slinging the ball around, and I'm going, "Who is this kid?" Because he is freaking killing it. And because he threw, oh my God, this one play, he just threw a straight bomb. I forget who caught. It. I want to say it was Jerry Judy who caught it, but I don't remember. I don't remember, but. 
he threw a straight laser bomb for a touchdown in that game. And at that point, they broke that game open. And so since then, you knew if you saw that national championship game, you knew that Tua was special. Um, you know, even in just regular playing regular SEC ball, I mean, he was just just killing it. I mean, I don't really know any other way to describe it. So, you know, it, you just had to be there. But but nevertheless, I think for Miami, this is probably going to be the way to go. Um, you know, if it if it proves to be successful, then so be it. If it doesn't, then, you know, they have a way forward in the future. But I mean, it's all going to be played out on the field anyway. So you might as well just give the young guy the opportunity and let him just uh, move the team forward. Um, some other news, the Seattle Seahawks are one of a number of teams and they seem to be the most prominent team thus far, or at least it seems like they're the first team they're being reported to be interested in signing Antonio Brown. So week eight, Antonio Brown suspension is up. So right now there have been no formal connections, no formal talks between uh, AB and the Seahawks. But again, if you think about it, you know, he's going to be catching. If he, if this goes through, he's catching the balls from Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is having an MVP type of season. So why not bring him in? Because that offense, I mean, it's a juggernaut. Now it's going to get more juggernautish. Is that a word? More juggernautish if they sign Antonio Brown. So, um, but again, they also have to consider some other things because again, there's still a lot of, um, you know, things going on, uh, his lawsuit, um, the, 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 the investigations, um, what he has, what, uh, he pleaded no contest in June to felony burger burglary, uh, with battery. So he's got a lot of stuff going on. So again, um, you know, the, the, the team still new, needs to do if they're very if they're seriously interested the team still needs to do their due diligence so I mean what Seattle fan would say no to this all you know providing that number one the two sides can come to an agreement and number two that you know the team feels comfortable knowing his circumstances that they want to you know move forward and make this happen. But again, that's only one report. Again, there's nothing formal yet, but you can best believe that they are not going to be the only team that's going to try to uh, get the services of Antonio Brown to try to help push their team in the right direction. But Seattle would seem to be a fantastic destination for Antonio Brown. So for that story, I say to you, stay tuned because it's going to get interesting. Um, before I get to the big story for today, uh, let's talk a little bit of college basketball. So Penn State's uh, head head basketball coach, rather, Pat Chambers, has resigned. So, uh, so really there was an internal investigation into an incident with a former player, Rasir Bolton. So uh, in a conversation, uh, Coach Chambers made a reference to a noose around the neck of this young man. Um, because of that interaction and others that uh, Rusty Bolton had with Coach Chambers, he transferred to Iowa State last summer. Um, now, Penn State uh, did an investigation. So um, there, around the time this investigation began, new allegations surfaced. 
the allegations were not uh, spoken upon by um, the uh, AD of Penn State, Sandy Barber. But they said that the allegations that the new allegations that surfaced, there were no NCAA rules broken. But in light of the investigation, um, he resigned today. Uh, he's been the coach since 2011. So Penn State, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you know, we, we've COVID has been such a, a theme in sports in a lot of shows and a lot of discussions because, you know, it's changed the way that sports are played or it's changed the way sports are not getting played. And, you know, here's another team that really looked good, that they were they were definitely going to the NCAA tournament uh, this past year, had, you know, this past season had it gone on. But I mean, uh, Chambers coaching the 26 wins in 2018. Uh, it would have been their, I think, their fifth tournament berth had they gone uh, to the tournament this year. But they they were definitely in. They were definitely one of the hotter teams in the sport. Um, at the time of the article of that, when which Rasir Bolton talked about his experiences at Penn State, it was in the undefeated. Um, at that time, he said he had not received a an apology. Since then, uh, Coach uh, Chambers, uh, he issued an apology saying that, you know, he, you know, kind of to, to the effect that, you know, words have meaning. Um, he, you know, apologized for, you know, the use of his words and, you know, so on and so forth. So the ESPN did a whole article about this. But, um, you, you know, it, it's it, it's sad that, you know, in this day and age that we still have to. I mean, people just don't get it. It's like, you know, why would you say that to a kid, you know, and, and especially a, a young black kid? Why would you say that? It's just like, you know, you kind of have to, you know, really be in the moment and try to say things to a young person that, you know, especially when you're in a coaching a position, being a coach or a leader, you want to say things to them that resonate with them. You want to say things to them that encourage them. You know, if he's having a hard time, you know, you know, he's talking about, you know, I want to help relieve the stress in your life. But he said it in such a way, well, I want to help relieve the noose around your neck. And it's like, what? Why would you even bring that up in a discussion where this young man is trying to talk to you about some serious issues that he's having? I mean, that that I mean, poor choice of words is probably not not as an understatement to be honest with you that 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 is just really not being in the moment it's like read the damn room like i mean i, I mean i don't really know what else to say to this but um you know it, will this be a situation that you know will pat chambers not ever get another job again eh, who knows i mean there are plenty of redemption stories in college basketball i mean you know you got uh you know uh, you know, uh, what Andy Kennedy's uh, reliving his life at UAB, Rick Patino's at Iona. I, I've been thinking about the college pas basketball preview for the show. And I, I, when, when Rick Patino got the Iona job, I'm going, Iona is going to do some things. Now, again, you can say all you want about Rick Patino, the man's a winner. Um, you know, I read an article the other day, Rick Patino talked about how his son gave him some advice to say, you know, you have to stop telling people that you didn't do it. 
at this point, you just got to move on and do what you do. I mean, bottom line, that's kind of the, the, the paraphrased version of what his son told him, Rick Pitino. Um, um, uh, and um, he's right. You know, I mean, you know, I'm not here. I'm not one to say whether he's innocent or guilty. That that's that's for the courts to decide. You know, he's gone through all the legal uh, ramifications of everything that happened. Now he just wants to coach basketball, and he's doing it in a place that's you know not far from where he lives, and it's a school that has history going to the NCAA tournament. So why not? It's going to be fun to watch. So uh, I'm gonna. Uh, start, you know, keep my eye out for the college basketball stuff because I'm really, you know, itching to talk some basketball here. But um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really be interested to see, you know, what Patino is gonna be doing at Iona, what kind of talent he's got. But you know that if he plans to be there for a few years, you know, you kind of feel like he might have another good run in him because in the article I read, he also talked about how Iona felt like Providence to him. So as you know, Rick Pitino coached Providence and he said, you know, he kind of regretted leaving Providence, but you know, I own a small Catholic school outside of New Rochelle, New York. So he's like, he's at home and he's ready to get it done. So, I mean, if Rick Pitino can get a second chance, I think just about anyone can get a second chance. And, you know, you can say who's more guilty than someone else. I'll leave that to you. But, Again, is it right? I don't know. Um, you know, I guess as long as you didn't murder anybody, I guess everyone kind of deserves a second chance. But again, that's for someone else to decide or or you can decide how you feel about that. Now, let's get to the big story here. So <laughs> let's think back in back to January where life was somewhat normal and we remember that it was LSU and Clemson for the college football national championship. And we all remember who you, who you're rooting for me. I, I'm sitting there thinking LSU is going to destroy Clemson. Wasn't it? You know, it was a pretty high scoring game if I recall correctly, but um, it wasn't so much the game because Joe Burrow went out there and balled out, but it was after the game that things got a little interesting. So we all know LSU and one of their famous alums, Odell Beckham Jr., was at the game, and it was in New Orleans. So, again, it was a home game for the Bayou Bengals. And, of course, you know OBJ was there, and he's probably balling out. So due to a number of different investigations, so the NCAA is currently invested in a wide investigation of – sports at LSU. So you hopefully are aware of the allegations against men's basketball coach, Will Wade. So a couple seasons ago, Will Wade had to sit out a few games during the season. There are allegations of quote, impermissible payments uh, to 11 recruits and family members and friends and so on and so forth. Again, this, this investigation has been going on for about three years. Now, LSU has done some self-imposed penalties due to a level three violation. I think you know where I'm going with this. If you remember the end of that game, what was OBJ doing? He was handing out money. And I'm going, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me he's walking around here with a cigar, slapping money in people's hands? I think he also slapped a cop's butt as well. So OBJ was, as I said, he was wilding out after that win. 
So the NCAA has issued a level three violation to LSU football. So OBJ gave, here's the number. He gave $2,000 in cash to four players. So it's roughly about what, $500 a player. Um, you know, if you average it out, that's that college math. Um, in the locker room after the college football national championship game. Okay. So LSU self-imposed penalties uh, are the following. They lost eight scholarships. They get reduced recruiting visits, uh, recruits, re reduced recruiting evaluations and reduced recruiting communication. These are self-imposed penalties. Oh, and on top of all that, they have banned OBJ from football facilities for two years. I'm just like, <sighs> I mean, that's, I mean, and that's, the, that's the minor part. I mean, I mentioned the basketball situation. So push that over to the side. There's also some other things going on in football. So um, football, there is a, um, a, a booster, John Paul Funes. There are allegations of him. He's a CEO of a, of a hospital system. Allegations of providing funds to families of current and former student athletes, one, allowing football staff to use a private plane, two, and giving student athletes internships, three. So, which is the lesser of the two evils? I mean, okay, OBJ should not have been in the locker room giving the players money. Or, okay, I'm going to say this quietly. I'll get closer to the mic here. If you're going to do that, don't put it on camera. You know, I'll say it out loud because you know what? I'm all for paying these athletes. So, listen, if you're going to do that, be discreet about it. I mean, he was literally, I mean, he had wads of cash in it. And he's, I mean, everybody saw it. He's slapping money in everybody's hand. I'm just like, oh, my God. And then when I saw that, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this is going to come back to haunt them. And it has. At a time where they come out, LSU comes out, they get blown out of the war in the first game, which I, I don't know how to explain that because I see that result where Mississippi State goes to Baton Rouge and, you know, KJ Costello balls out of his mind was he threw for 600 plus yards and a million touchdowns or wherever he did. But I mean, they lose that game. They get blown out of the water and, you know, it's looking, things are not looking, you know, very good for, for LSU. So, I mean, right now you have to ask yourself, you know, what impact is this going to have on this team? Because currently, if I'm looking at this correctly, I don't even think they are in the rankings anymore. They are, what I believe they're ranked as high as, geez, I can't even find them anymore. It's like complete rankings. Let's see. Oh, I gotta go back to week one. Let's see. Preseason, they were ranked what? They were ranked sixth in the preseason and they got one first place vote. Last week, they were, let's see if I find it here. I don't even think they were in the top 25 last week. So, I mean, they have fallen from sixth all the way out of the top 25. OK, so if I go back to this here, we look at this. They are currently one and two and fifth in the SEC West. <sighs> so, again, <laughs> when it rain, as they say, when it rains, it pours. So now they've got to rally the rally, the rally the troops and try to get this thing back together. Um, they had the Florida game postponed. Uh, they play Saturday night 
at home against South Carolina. South Carolina seems to be kind of trying to find themselves a little bit. They're two and two overall right now. LSU is the favorite. Um, I don't see the line here right now. The line is LSU is uh, six point favorites in this game. So, I mean, you think you're a six point favorite in the SEC against South Carolina. That I mean, most people are saying LSU is going to win this game, and I would f- say they probably will win this game. But six point favorites, eh, that could go either way. I mean, depending on if, if this team finds itself and they start to play some football. But this whole OBJ situation is just ridiculous. It's like, come on, dude, have some discretion. I know they're your boys, they're your team. They won the national champ. That's great. That's great. But you don't go around the locker room with all the cameras in there, giving everybody some cash. Are you insane? Hell, get a get a, get some envelopes and slide in freaking lockers or something. What, what is wrong with you? Like, I mean, I am upset for these guys because, I mean, although that the, the the penalties that have been levied were self-imposed by the school, the NCAA is good with that. Plus, as I mentioned that, you know, this and the other issue with football and the basketball thing are part of a wider NCAA investigation. You are under the microscope. You have to be pristine at this point. So this does not help your case. So, you know, the NCAA is really going to be nitpicking around, trying to find something else to kind of if they find it, that's not going to be good. And you hope that it's not going to be anything bad. Um, But, you know, really, at the end of the day, I still say and I've talked about this on a number of occasions on this podcast that, you know, the the the. Um, legislation that is in Congress currently that will probably not get looked at until next year um, is for paying paying players. And I think that's what the, what, what the system needs. I mean, there are plenty of, you know, former players who are, you know, there are a lot of former players. I think it's 50, 50, a lot of former players who are like, yes, pay us. We need it. You know, the NCAA wants to tell you playing at the collegiate level looks like this when it's really this. And then there are others, folks like Tim Tebow, who, you know, dude, you went to college on a scholarship. Your family has money. No one cares what you think. Um, oh, we shouldn't pay players. It's going to change the game. How? Please explain this to me. You got guys who are banking their future on a game. They're, you know, they, you know, education, play a sport. In many cases, the guys will finish their education later, but they're thinking, I'm trying to get to a level to take care of me, take care of my family, take care of my future. So while you're doing that, you should be able to get a little extra money. You should be able to get money off your likeness, because think about how many football jerseys are sold by these schools that makes them millions and then they get tv money they get they get shoe money they get money coming out of every freaking possible pot they can why not say hey here's a little extra money because you're a college student and hey um it'd be nice if you want to you know you got an off week here you want to go hang out with your friends what's wrong with that i don't see the problem it'll avoid this situation because you know if those players got $2,000 in cash, those four players, whoever those four players were, 
well, put it this way. I hope they saved it because, <laughs> I mean, I, I laugh about it because as I'm watching it happen, I'm 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 in the moment like, wow, this is exciting. But then I'm thinking, but isn't what he's doing illegal and it's being recorded? <sighs> Facepalm. That's how I end the show. Facepalm. Thank you very much, because this is not this could potentially not end well for that team for LSU. But again, as I said, with my with my other story, uh, stay tuned because it's about to get interesting. Uh, before we get out of here, let's have a look at the World Series. So currently World Series still one nothing Tampa Bay at after two innings. So as I go, I appreciate you listening. Thank you for riding with me again. Although I'm recording at the desk these days, haven't uh, commuted in a number of months now, and it feels like all the days are running together. But uh, I want to take an opportunity to thank you for listening. Um, please rate, please review, follow me um, on Twitter, um, subscribe to the show. I try to record at least once, maybe twice a week. Um, and um, I hope you're doing well. Um, we're still in very uncertain times, and I hope that um, we come out of these uncertain times with a little more clarity in the next few weeks and that we're come together and start doing better because, um, you know, it's I think it's hard to do what we do under these conditions. Um, but uh, until we know what we know, we got to keep doing what we can while we can the best way we can. So don't forget to follow me on Twitter. It's Uncle Dub. It's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Until I see you next time for episode 39, please take care and see you soon.